All right, welcome to Chihuahua Bat 2.0, Surviving in the Classroom. I'm Swan, one of the original Chihuahua Bats. The other Chihuahua Bat, who I like to call my partner in crime, Mala, is actually spending the summers in Wisconsin. And I'm very honored that she allows me to come up and visit with her and we get to collaborate on upcoming Chihuahua Bat projects. Um, as for me, I'm a retired educator. I spent 29 years in the public classroom, and when I retired in 2018, I had two goals. Goal number one was to write a book about my journey in the classroom, and I took a five-year period where I found myself standing in unbelievable chaos and I realized, I mean, if anyone had ever said to me that I'd be standing like in a warehouse with old equipment and, and just me and kids, I'd have said it doesn't exist. But it did. And so when I realized that was going to be my reality for a year or two, uh, I knew I had a decision and I could either, you know, whine and complain or step up. So I did. And I like to tell people that if you're, especially educators, if you're facing a challenge, read my book you're going to feel a whole lot better about your situation when you see what I had to overcome. So that's Memoir of a Chihuahua book I published in 2019. You can find it on Amazon and my webpage, chihuahuabat.com. My second goal is I wanted to advocate for educators still in the classroom. And I wanted, especially this series of podcasts, to kind of be a voice their story to highlight issues and trends and challenges within the profession. I wanted to bring awareness to that. So one of the traditions we have in Wisconsin, it's called Wine on the Bank. And in the evenings, weather permitting, Cheryl's friends and family gather and we just take our lawn chairs out and we stare at the river and just sort of talk about, you know, our, our deeds of the day and, and, and fun memories. We like to laugh. And one such guest of Wine on the Bank is Cindy. And I'm real excited to talk with her today about her story, one, because she was in the special education end of profession uh, of teaching, and she's also from Minnesota, Wisconsin area. So I want to see what that story and teaching is about. So first, I want to welcome you, Thank you very much. Cindy. And so I kind of want to start at the beginning. So take me back to when you first entered the profession, perhaps as a student teacher. Yes. Where were you? Um, what were you? I attended college at the University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point. Okay. And in 1971, did uh, my practice teaching fall semester uh, at Wassa West High School in my undergraduate major of psychology. Oh, okay. And psychology at that particular time in high schools in the North was just beginning to be one of the classes that was part of the social studies department. Exactly. So I knew my job market was extraordinarily limited Yes. Um, with a psychology major, but I didn't like any other area enough to make it my major. Absolutely. Um, my minor was sociology, which I did not want to pursue at all. Uh, so then in 1972, upon graduation, yes. I found myself in the district um, that I grew up in, okay. filling in in a kindergarten position. <laughs> well, I'm an only child. Okay. I know nothing about kindergartners. I never babysat in my life. 
And uh, so that was very, very eye-opening and, pos- and positive Okay, uh, because it gave you the background into routine, mm-hmm. uh, some of the administrative things in public education, right. and um, was it going to be something I pursued long-term? Never. Okay. Um, because little people were not my Your focus. comfort so, Yeah. <laughs> so, so then I got married. All right. And we moved to Minnesota. Okay. And uh, it was 1973. Mm-hmm. And 1973 was the first time, from a perspective of the federal government, that they acknowledged that there were special education needs right. beyond remedial Mm-hmm. Uh, reading, uh-huh. and it was the first time that special education was extended beyond eighth grade. Absolutely, yes. So, um, if you had any teaching uh, experience, mm-hmm. and if you have a bachelor's degree in education, right. and if you agreed <laughs> to um, mm-hmm. attain an, a 30-credit certification, you could work for a certificate in special education. Okay. At the time, it was compartmentalized. Right. Um, learning disabilities was one area. Yes. Uh, emotionally disturbed at that time. It was called, it's gone through name changes before. It has, right. Um, and uh, cognitively disabled were all separate entities yes. back at that time. So... Um, we were in a new community. I needed a job. <laughs> they needed a person <laughs> to yes. come in and work with senior high students. Okay. Um, and I needed to go to school to yeah. work on that yes, uh, did. certification, of wow. which I then did over the next several years. Um, yeah. We were fortunate because the community I lived in was 30 miles south of St. Cloud, State University oh, okay. Go in Minnesota, and because we were that close, the university very generously sent professors to us. Nice, yeah. So we didn't have to travel for oh, yeah. um, you were working full time. Yeah, so, yeah, that was nice. It was also at the beginning um, a large percentage of our salary was reimbursed by the federal government. It was. That was under the... To, yeah, to the local districts. Absolutely. So all this additional staff was hired to help with students in a variety of capacities at that time, mm-hmm. and but the district wasn't uh, having to pay gotcha. uh, all the money for that. And then over the years, that dwindled, dwindled, and dwindled until it was zero. Yes. And not. either the dis- local district had to pick up Mm-hmm. the cost of the service that they wow. were going to provide to their students mm-hmm. or they were going to let it slide. Yes. And uh, <laughs> yes. So that, that was the beginning. Um, oh. I chose to uh-huh. concentrate on learning disabilities. Okay. Um, that to me was the area that appeared to be uh, early on when I knew nothing about, about education. <laughs> um, something that uh, piqued my interest. Right. And so learning disabilities it was. Okay. Obviously today that is not the case. You do not no. categorically uh-uh. uh, get certifications. No. You get um, a multi 
categorical right. certification Especially so that the district can place you can place you wherever they need yes. you. And that happened before the before I retired, before the end of my career, yeah. that they would only look at people with uh, categorical right. um, licensure. But I had been approached over the years, don't you want to get your certification in emotionally disturbed, which became a very, very very high demand position. Oh, absolutely. Lots of need And there. for some unknown reason, saying no was allowed. Right. Um, at then, that time. Yeah. Um, because so you the, saw the evolution of special ed, really. I did at a, at yeah. a secondary level. You did? Yes, That's I did quite at a secondary level. Yes. And, you know, we we had nothing to model off no. because there was nothing there. It's a new frontier. It was a new frontier. And so it started in many different capacities. It started providing small group instruction that right. was appropriate to the level of skills the students were exhibiting, mm -hmm. to a um, tutorial model, reteaching, right. oh, yeah. a resource room type thing, right. to team teaching with regular education mm -hmm. and stacking the clients in the classroom so that they were getting a serve both from regular ed and for special ed. Absolutely. And then, honestly, that's still the case. Okay. Um, it's a combination kind of, of all three venues. Okay. Um, so that's helping it. All right. So along the way, was there a particular person or several people that were influenced you, a mentor, you know, as a beginning teacher? Is there anybody you want to? Um, well, my mom was a teacher. Okay. And my closest aunt was a teacher. Uh -huh. And I graduated from high school in 1968. And at the time, you went into business administration being yes. a secretary for someone. Right, you did. Or you went into nursing and medicine yeah. in some capacity. Yes. Or you went into teaching. And mm -hmm. that was it. That was, Those true. were the three big wheelbarrows of career options. Yeah. And I considered psychiatric nursing for some time. Huh. Um, with your psychology. I, with yes. my psychology undergrad, I was fascinated with right. the mind and with right. mental illness. But lo and behold, it's an interesting concept that nurses have to work around the clock. Yeah. <laughs> so do teachers. <laughs> so are teachers, but not necessarily on their feet on a ward. No, no. And True. So that pushed me um, into uh -huh. education over uh, nursing, and it was a good choice. Right. Good choice. So what would you say was your biggest challenge? Or there's probably more than one. Biggest challenge? Um, there are several. Okay. Uh, the easy one uh -huh. is paperwork. Yes. Um, the documentation of the need for the child to receive service okay. after placement is extensive. It is. And it becomes a great percentage of your job taking your concentration away Wait. from teaching. Actually working with the kids. And working with the kids. Right. Oftentimes that time is not allotted mm -mm. During, during the, the course of your day. Not either. at all. So that is something that, although you might have smaller groups, you're taking home paperwork to yes. comply with state and federal regulations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. Okay. Paperwork. Second is mm -hmm. 
finding your position amongst the staff. Yes. Because no matter what you do and how effective you feel you are, Mm -hmm. you probably have six to 10 students in your classroom and they have 30. Yes. For people who have... And they don't understand. People only have regular ed as their uh, basket. Right. Um, That becomes a big focus at the beginning. Right. Until you can get the program up and running and they can witness what it is you actually what do. It, what is yeah. actually what you do. And also right. more regular ed as the years went along mm-hmm. in the in the field right. came in with some special ed background or at least a right. smattering of classes right. or part of an internship or right. whatever. So Absolutely. they had a, a broader right. base of knowledge. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. uh, that, I would say, is um, the two major challenges. Okay. Yeah, and I want to say now inclusion is just like every other word in education. So general ed uh, has, I want to say for, for me, I would have 27 to 32, and I could have two that were autistic, and I could have, you know, four just under general education could have been emotional because now they say other impairment when I get codes. Yes. I'm not allowed to know. Some, sometimes they share, sometimes they can't by law. And then I could have um, some ESL students in there, and then I could have like 16 to 18 just I taught mostly freshmen, regular freshman kiddos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's so, a balancing act. It, it is, but I still had special ed representatives who would be like an advocate for me or a resource mm-hmm. when they did try to include mm-hmm. the child in the general. And I know the thing was to put them in least restrictive and try to get them in the general classroom. And I, I have mixed emotions about that. I don't ever want to limit a child ever. But I think for me, and I was one of those teachers that I could work. I could work with anybody. I can work with that wall. So admin loved me because uh, they were interesting to me. I, mm-hmm. I loved to figure out how they learned. Mm-hmm. I, that was really fun for me. Um, but I think that sometimes when you have the mixture, because I could have eight to ten under the umbrella, but it depends on how it presents. And there were times I had autistic who were brilliant. But the way the autism manifested, it it was interruptions, not just once a day. Uh, I'll give you an example. I had a student who would raise his hand and ask 36 questions a period. Mm-hmm. And, and he would, not quietly, you know, he would start that hand, would go up, and mm-hmm. then it would wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. And he was a very tall boy. He would lean over his desk, and I could mm-hmm. see him out of the corner of my eye, but I couldn't stop instruction. Mm-hmm. And he would fall out of his desk. Mm-hmm. And that went on, you know. So it, at one point, I had to say, okay, I really don't mind working with him, but I'm not getting, you know, any instruction. So sometimes... Um, I would have to go and say, okay, what can we do where, you know, where, where the general ed wins and where I can, you know, reach the it's students. A, it's a constant compromise. It, it is. A constant compromise and a constant yes. conflict for Everybody. the people involved. Absolutely. To say, 
is this the best? The child has to always be the focus. Right. Not what is best for For when the para is available or (laughs) what you're trying to teach, but what. And and that is not always easy. Like you said, it's a delicate balancing. It is a delicate balance. And I think sometimes there are just no good choices. You know, when you're putting together a schedule, and obviously their, their schedules are a little bit trickier, Sometimes that's just the spot where, you know what I mean, where they have to go. And and, uh, and I know over the years, right. over 30-some years, there were incidences, although rare, I have to say, uh-huh. where the child felt, man, I don't want to sit in this room that's identified as a... Oh, I heard that often. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. And I have to say that I didn't hear it often, nor right. did I feel like... Um, we set up the environment that came into focus in that fashion. Right. But, and sometimes it was the parents that had more problems with it. And their exactly child right. who was benefiting from whatever right. was being instructed. Right. Yeah. Um, but the balance between inclusion mm-hmm. and small group instruction <laughs> is a battle every day of mm-hmm. every year on a mm-hmm. secondary level. That's true. And I, uh, it causes for the special education teacher, mm-hmm. um, who I was at, at the beginning, mm-hmm. to be demanded to have basic knowledge of right. every academic class that was oh, offered see, that's how in the building. Your job was immense. There's no way. And that takes some time, oh, I have to tell you. You absolutely. know, you obviously come in with uh, an education and some mm-hmm. personal strengths. Sure. But... Whoa, <laughs> you don't, you know, from geometry doing? to algebra two chemistry, to world geography yeah. to biology, chemistry, so whatever. Yeah. Um, it ends up, I felt that mm-hmm. I was, I certainly wasn't a master of anything. No, no. But I had general knowledge of a if lot of stuff. Well, yeah. And if you care about your job and you really want to advocate via resource, you have to know. How to help the child in all those classes. And I certainly right. learned early on that I didn't have to have all the answers, but no. I had to know to how to steer <laughs> the student to yes. finding that answer and being an advocate for themselves, which on a secondary level right. is a huge goal for every student that you have. Wow. Learning, A, to compensate for your deficits. Right. B, to identify your strengths. Right. To see advocate for yourself because you are deserving Absolutely. of finding the answer yes. and, um, and doing that in an appropriate fashion. Those are yeah. the goals all the time. Wow. Okay. Is there a, a particular student, a success story? I know you had a million that stands out or uh, a funny situation. Or uh, One of the stories that stands yeah. out, well, there's so many funny stories. There are, but, uh, but one of the Poignant stories was I had a very, very um, learning disabled young man who was extraordinarily athletic and was a starter on the boys' basketball team. Okay. And he didn't give two hoots for anything related to school. Of course. Not in a belligerent way. Um, He just didn't. And it wasn't easy. 
Right. Uh, and he was very socially integrated into the general class and that sort of thing. But he okay. ended up being in a situation during the height of the basketball season where he was failing three of his academic Uh-oh, classes. Oh, not good. And I was frustrated and um, in meeting with the counselor, um, I said, I think we have to pull him from the team. Uh-oh. Uh, because he's not meeting criteria right. uh, and code to participate. Right. And I was very humbled by the counselor who said, then you're robbing him of the opportunity to learn how to develop his own life because mm. you're taking away his only strength. Yeah, the only reason he comes to school. So we didn't. Okay, you left him in. And uh, he graduated. Right. And he participated in the team, right. and he was happy and successful and right. uh, has gone on to be a productive member of this community with a family. And, wow. you know, you, sometimes you, you struggle lot. with that. You I do. did. I you know, did. because we were so out of um, compliance right. and with what the general rules were. Absolutely. Um, but it right. was a whole different perspective so yeah but there's just a lot of success stories it was senior high is easy was easy for me to work with okay because no matter what their background Mm -hmm. was because most of my kids were 16 to 19 years old right you could say the statement i understand what a bad predicament you're in right and i did However, we're going. What to, are you going to do about it? Right, because you're right. now at the precipice of being able to make your own independent choices. Right. The last nine nine years of my career, I worked with okay. sixth graders. Oh, interesting. And that was the most frustrating part of the age change for me. Right, because I couldn't say to someone twelve. No. I understand you're in a bad situation and your home life is rocky, 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 and you right. aren't getting what you need. Yes. You don't say that to someone 12. No. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas you high school, you can just lay it on the line. You can. say, you know, you can't play right. the broken record all your life. Eventually, right. you have right. to pick up a new record. Exactly. And, um, and you're going to have to be yeah. the change you need. Yeah. And, and that's tough. Wow, that's the sixth grade. That is no. hard. Yeah. That is hard. Wow. All right. So someone, and you taught how many years? 34. Wow. My hero. Uh, uh, <laughs> 23 of them was in senior high. Okay. Not, that's not true. 25 of them was in senior high and, and nine was, was, was sixth grade. In sixth grade. Wow. And why did you go to sixth grade? Did you change we schools? Had a move. Oh, okay. Uh, we moved to, uh, back to the community. All right. We were in Hutchinson, Minnesota. Then okay. we came back to Wisconsin. All right. Then we went back to Hutchinson for the last nine years of our working life. And um, by the grace of goodness, um, mm-hmm. there was a position available in my field, but it was in a middle school. Right. And I was eager to work. And uh, yes. they had already seen 16 years of my work at a different level. Good. Um, so I fell into that position, and it was good at the yeah. time of my yeah at time of my career to have a change. Yeah, exactly. And a new focus. And you do grow. You do, do grow, and I, there wasn't a day went by that I didn't wow. learn something new about how to uh-huh. effectively work with yeah. that age group. 
So do you think now, because you saw the evolution of special ed from kind of when it began to now, what do you think? Are we on the right track? Do you think that, uh, are we meeting their needs? I think it's so expansive now. I, that's what I find it overwhelming. Yes. I think it's an overwhelming field because the categories of qualification have expanded so Absolutely. dramatically. There's like 16 um, indicators for at risk, and you're like, how do uh, I do this? Exactly. And when I left in 2007, okay. autism was just coming on board as being an identified category of qualification. Right. Um, and it's with, big. And it's big. And it's huge. It is. And it is difficult. It is. It um, depends on how it presents. You it, know? it depends on how it presents. Right. Um, I think that the structure mm-hmm. of the department and the field is well defined. I do. Um, especially in the northern part of the United States, and by that I mean Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Michigan, the focus is public education. It is. We're not an area where you have that constant competition with private schools and applying to get into this and that. Are there some private schools? Obviously, yes. yes, But public education is way the priority and the focus. Um, so yeah, being from the South, I can say in the North, I think you guys have it down. I really respect the system here. It, it's it's so different. It is. It is. It's and, you know, just from our uh, periods of being in the South during winter months yes. and being on the periphery of watching what education looks like there, it's, it, there's no comparison. No, uh, not at all. it's apples and oranges it to is. say the least. I do think that. In special education right now, the intense amount of record keeping is swamping the field. It is. And it's swamping the field of interest to enter. I think so. Um, Because you just absolutely are not prioritizing your time teaching. No, and that's the most important piece. Oh, my word. And And think of the work you need to find out, to help the child in several subjects. That right there is where the focus of your time should be. Should be. Right. And, uh, right. I, you know, I can't speak real highly of it because now I've already, already been out mm-hmm. 14 years. But right. um, I think the technology piece has added to the compensatory strategies that students can Right. invoke for themselves okay. um, because of the use of computers and, yeah. uh, you know, simple things like spell check and right. um, the built-in calculator right. for math things, right. you know. And they can gloss over and get definitions of words and right. things. Right. Yeah. They can, the auditory right. um, books yeah. that were not available oh, years right. back and that are right. now so they can use that modality mm-hmm. instead of the visual. Right. Um, I think those are positives. I do. If there are people who can lead them through that process right. yes. of what will make you more functional and gain you the most knowledge right. in right. a most efficient fashion. Um, cool. um, so yeah. I think technology is huge. 
So that's enhanced. Uh, I, I believe so. And, I agree. Um, I think so, because when I was working with some special needs kids, that helped me, especially I was going from Spanish to English, so if they were not, not cognitive developed in mm-hmm. English, it made mm-hmm. my job a little bit harder. So yeah, technology. And, and we have more services now, too. We have True. the huge occupational therapy service. Yeah. A speech therapy has always been there. Right. They are grossly overworked. Their yes. caseloads are huge, oh, um, but they are vital. Um, physical therapy used to be if you needed those services, you had to go. To uh, you yeah. had to go to private to to attain it. Yeah. And now they're, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're employees of the district, right. and obviously float between buildings and needs. So, right. But there are so many more staff members available in most districts. Not necessarily relatively moderate size and larger. I want to say, I started in the public classroom in 1978, but when I graduated um, from college, and I can remember my second year teaching, you know, in service, in the beginning of the year, a gentleman came to talk about um, special education. And as you said, at that time, it was more of a, a special room. You know, they were taken out and they were in a room and that became a stigma, you know. Uh, but I remember sitting at this in service and a gentleman saying, it was 1980, he said, private institutions who have been working with these special children are closing because of funding, and he said they're coming into public education. And he said, if you're not getting certified or doing continuing education to learn about the different, uh, you know, learning styles, learning disabilities, emotional challenges, he said, you're doing yourself a disservice. And so here we are, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) 2020, but even before that, and I thought, wow, you know, how brilliant. And had I I wish, because I was, what, 23 at the time, you know, Mm -hmm. that I had listened a little bit closer to what he said. Well, and that's the benefit of a variety of experiences is continuing to learn as you go along. And if educators know one thing, it is the value of flexibility. Oh, yes. Um, And also the value of additional knowledge. Absolutely. I think we all... Um, have to learn that early, early on, and yes. it's evident today in providing remote learning oh, during yes. these times of COVID. Yes, um, well, there is not one educator out there that thought that's what they were going to oh, be doing at all. At right. all, yes. And so, I and I want to say when I usually talk with all educators, all of them started with something they thought, no, I, I was never going to do this. <laughs> and then they all ended up, you know, growing into the position that they had. Okay, so a new teacher going into special education advice. Um, We've talked about it a little bit. but My advice would be one of the huge benefits of the choice to go into special education is the intimacy of the relationships that you have with the children. Okay. And their parents. That's true. Um, if you're in a senior high mm-hmm. student and you are a case manager of an incoming freshman or sophomore, however your mm-hmm. building is laid out age-wise, likely you will be their case manager 
through their, their journey, okay. throughout their journey through um, your venue. And that's a privilege. That is a privilege to know a yeah. few well and hope to be a positive guide to their independence upon leaving the building. Right. Um, and you can say job well done there. You, know? you can say job well done See there. The Absolutely. Right there. Absolutely. And I yeah. think a second be- a benefit is mm-hmm. um, being able to work on very specific goals. Okay. A general ed teacher is oh. spewing um, massive amounts of knowledge to you mm-hmm. and giving you the opportunity to investigate a topic in an area. Right. But they're not working on an individual goal necessarily. No. They're working on getting you to receive the knowledge right. that they have. Yeah, to, uh, yeah yes. exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas you're working more with the that's person true. than right. you are the curriculum. That's true. Mm-hmm. What strengths do I need yep. to build upon? Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like to say to them, um, you're going to make mistakes, so give yourself grace uh, when you, you, you know what you're walking into, but you don't. And I like to say, whatever you do, find a friend, a colleague, maybe a group, where at the middle of the day or the end of the day, you can go in and say, oh, boy, well. <laughs> you know? Yep, yep. Yeah. And, and that was far easier, I have to say, when I worked in sixth grade. Okay. Because they were divided into alpha and omega, um, you know. Yeah, uh, and grouping. Yeah. So you really right. only had to learn to work with you know, six people. Perfect. Uh, in, uh, one in each curriculum area. Uh-huh. And yes. if... Honestly, as a special educator, if you couldn't make it uh-huh. in that kind of environment, special ed wasn't for, for you. you at all. <laughs> you know, right. because yeah. in senior high, yes. you've got to know everybody. Oh, yeah. You have to know everybody that is effectively um, providing some um, instruction um, to um, that particular um, grade level. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, the task is more daunting at senior high. Okay. Um, all right. So your advice is go for it, right? My advice is to go for it. That's fine. If you've re- I can remember walking up the sidewalk to practice teaching and thinking yeah. at 21. Yes. And I've never really given this serious thought. <laughs> I know. You know, you're carrying the binder, you know, and you're yeah. going to orientation and you're yeah. thinking, what am really? I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, yeah, mom was a teacher. Yeah, auntie was a teacher. But it's real now, and, right? <laughs> but now I'm going to be that person, you know. And unfortunately, back in that time, you didn't practice teach until you were a senior. Oh, yeah. Now in education, they have you involved by sophomore year at Absolutely. the latest. So if you're going to fall off the interest, you're falling off early enough to recover right. and go somewhere, and go somewhere else. And, and I like that. It's almost like an internship. Yeah. You know, we can yeah. decide at the end. You yeah. Know, I, I want to say when, when I, I went in to student teach, um, I, I really didn't get to student teach. I kind of think it was the best thing that happened to me, but in a way it wasn't. Um, I was hired two weeks into my student teaching. It's a very unusual yeah. Situation. It was probably not legal way back in the day, but <laughs> nobody looked at that. But yeah. So um, you know, I was just thrown into it. I almost think it was the best thing that happened to me because 
I didn't have to, I just sort of reacted. And I, every day I had to have a plan and I had to come in and keep those kids engaged. Whereas a student teacher, I could have fallen back on, you know, mm-hmm. my supervising teacher. So anyway, yeah. so I hear what you're saying. So well, I, well, yeah. you know, not to beat a dead horse here, but when I was <laughs> went into practice teach too, yeah. I was 21 and the person who I was practice teaching under was 24. So, so the blind lady it, was, it was. It was the blind lady, blind, blind. Nobody had any experience, right. you know. But you were we yeah. we working with people 18. Oh. <laughs> you know, it was ridiculous, yeah. you know. Yeah. But wow. we all made it. But we did it. Yeah, we did. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story. You're welcome. And I want to say I, I think you're a chihuahua bat. You embraced challenge right from day one. <laughs> well, I encourage anybody who really has the passion right. to pursue education. It's absolutely vital. I think it's, it's vital to our, our survival. <laughs> to our survival and absolutely. humanity is to provide right. education and equal opportunity for that for students and it's not easy, no. but it's out there. But it, yes, I agree yes. with you. All right. Well, thanks again, Cindy, for okay. sharing and your you story. Also. Well, thank you. And welcome me into Wine on the Bank. I enjoyed. <laughs> As do I. <laughs> I bet you do. And I always end with Dare to Be a Chihuahua Bat.